Welcome to Femboldened, a podcast where inspiration meets aligned action, where science meets spirit, and where you've landed to enliven the bold within you. I'm your host, Angelica Pascone, women's empowerment coach, specializing in helping heart-centered, high achievers like you shatter their personal and professional self-built glass ceilings. Get ready to awaken to your truest potential as we dive deep into the emboldened stories, wisdom, and medicine of our fellow sisters to energize you into living your bold. The question is, are you ready? Let's get started. Emboldened. Hello, Femboldeners, and welcome to today's episode with Christine Schnell. We met, goodness, uh, probably like four, five, six months ago now. And it's interesting. I just got chills. It's interesting because we chat every so often. We've never actually physically met in person. It's mostly been WhatsApp and what was that other one called? Uh, Telegram, right? Telegram. There's way too many messenger sites out there. But I have found, I feel a profound connection with Christine, and she's here to share her story that I think many of you will probably resonate with on different levels or similar levels. But anyways, I'm going to give you the chance to introduce yourself. Welcome, Christine. How are you? Who are you? What's alive for you today? Thank you for having me. Um, Oh, gosh. Um, Who am I? Well, if I'd known that, I'd give you an answer, but I don't. I'm still kind of finding myself. I think that's kind of part of where I'm at at the moment is really just to find myself. And I'm on this kind of journey to to do that. And what's alive for me at the moment is just connecting, actually, with different people and their stories. And, yeah, just following the breadcrumbs of life. I think that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. Living in a van. I've moved into a van about six weeks ago. Um, and that's part of my journey, I suppose, that we'll talk about and we'll get to today. Um, but yeah, just kind of touring Ireland at the moment and meeting lots of different people. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah, you converted the van yourself, well, with some help. Well, it was converted, but I've renovated it. So like I've made it into my own little sanctuary and, you know, put a new bed in to fit me and my dog in and yeah it's mine like it's properly it's a home (laughs) like it's not you know you're if you think about like a van or an RV or something it's like you know the 80s kind of dark brown kind of cabinets and stuff like that which is not it's you know it's uh pretty bright and white it's white and black and um yeah just pretty modern and some kind of mustard in there so it's, it's really nice and I have an altar in there for my you know meditation space and uh yeah that's my home at the moment. And it's beautiful from the photos you've shared and and what I'm seeing right now, our listeners will have to maybe investigate and find your photos of your your fan, but I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm so grateful that you're willing to share your story. We tend to on this, on this podcast, go deep right away and, and skip the surface level stuff. So I'm, I would love to hear, oh goodness. Who you are, I like to phrase it, who you are now. I know you said that's it's always evolving, right? But who you were maybe six, 10 years ago, what that story was like, and what bold decisions led you to where you are now? Wow. Okay. Six to 10 years ago. Um, 
two very different versions six and ten years ago actually mm-hmm. as well um so those I probably have to go back a little bit further actually I have to probably go back about 14 years mm-hmm. um which is when I moved to Ireland because I'm actually German so I grew up born and bred in Germany I studied here in Ireland for a year and then I decided to move here and that was about 14 years ago and you know life in Ireland and Dublin was vastly different than in you know rural Germany <laughs> really you know um and I was really trying to kind of find my own and you know I came over here with no job no apartment uh just a few friends from college um and yeah just you know I spent a few years kind of trying to find myself not knowing that I actually operated out of huge traumas all the time so I was suffering from quite a bit of uh, anxiety, which again, at the time, I didn't know. Uh, I then ended up uh, having a breakup, which led me to really start my spiritual journey because it threw me into massive trauma, what I now know, massive trauma response, which I had no tools or no way of coping with so it, it led me to um really bad suicidal depression mm-hmm. um but like t- within two weeks of that breakup I found myself in Byron Bay in Australia uh with who was now my my yoga teacher which who I've been with for the last kind of you know since 2009 and that really kick-started really finding my place and really finding myself you know through yoga like he does quite a little bit of uh, self-development in there as well and that was kind of my introduction to that um and then I ended up meeting my soon-to-be ex-husband oh god I think it was like 2012 I don't even know I'm not good with numbers but um yeah about about nine years ago I met my ex, uh, my soon-to-be ex-husband, and I went straight into complete trauma bond, uh, which I, again, at the time was completely oblivious to, and really only in the last three to four years have I done really deep trauma work to deal with all of that. And, you know, went down the road of buying a house and, you know, getting married, um getting the dog and you know picture perfect life from the outside but really deep down it was a very dysfunctional relationship it was a you know for those who don't know what a trauma bond is I'm not I, I'm not quite good at explaining what it is but it, it basically is just both of you operate out of your own trauma and you, you bond over uh, through that and it usually is a very toxic it ends up being a very toxic relationship where usually or a lot of the times one person may be an addict uh the other person is codependent i was codependent and you know total people pleaser and really just you know dealing with an abandonment wound that was so big that i just did everything i could to to please that other person you know so panicked for anything to be over and you know, deep down, my system, my soul knew, like, I mean, you know, it's the, the cliche of like, sitting on your bathroom floor and kind of like hearing that voice is like, what the hell are you doing? Like, what are you doing? And that was when we had just renovated a house. 
we had bought a house. I had renovated it fully, spent about eight months purely doing that and, you know, doing everything to make it into a home. And I found myself sitting on that bathroom floor and I was like, what the F are you doing? And it took me another, I think, six months um, to leave uh, in a very traumatic way, to be honest. I left overnight. I packed two bags and ended up leaving overnight because it was no longer safe, not physically, but emotionally. And, you know, just it was very, very toxic. And it was just it got too much. And uh, I ended up leaving after having done a lot of obviously inner work around trauma around learning kind of all of my patterns and and shadows I've done a lot of shadow work in the last while and um that's kind of I suppose in a, in a snapshot my evolution to where I am today to really starting to free myself and to no longer be afraid of being abandoned um you know learning that that wound can still come up but at the same time it doesn't have to define me anymore because you know I found that part of myself where it's like no actually I know whatever happens to me I'm gonna be fine because I've got myself in my own back and you know learning to reparent myself has been a really big part of what I've been doing um along the way obviously I've done a lot of kind of trainings and a lot of soul searching in the sense of I've I've trained um in Hawaii with and in Ireland actually with uh, a, a great teachers in Lomi Lomi and the Hawaiian teachings and then I've, I started uh, working with um a lot of the Celtic work a lot of the Celtic wheel and have a great teacher over here so I've delved into kind of the ancient practices, not just the yoga and the Indian, but like, you know, the Hawaiian and the Celtic. Obviously, I'm on the land of the Celts. So that kind of made sense. There's a very deep kind of connection to that, which I found quite a lot of comfort in as well to kind of learn the ancient ways because they knew and to kind of reconnect to that innate wisdom that we hold all in our bones. So yeah, that is in a snapshot. (laughs) Wow. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Thank you for that share. There's so many questions I have. Luckily I've been taking notes and then I can refer back. Okay. So, and for those of you who haven't figured it out yet, you're highly intuitive and highly sensitive. And it's funny because as I was writing questions down, you were answering them. So if I was smirking over here while you were sharing something that was sensitive, that was because I had wrote down a question and you answered it right after I wrote it down, which is usually how that works. So I'm curious if you care to share what you had mentioned prior to meeting your soon-to-be ex-husband, which... I don't know if you've ever heard this term before, but a friend used it once with me. She she called her ex-husband her husband. Because <laughs> it seemed that. a little bit more endearing. Um, what did your trauma responses look like before you knew what they were? And once you understood them to be what they were, how did you move through them? Mm, okay. There's a couple of different responses. One is I I kind of went into complete freeze mode um, and fawning. Most people only know fight or flight, but there's a, there's another, there's actually four responses, trauma responses. There's fawning, which is kind of appeasing and um, pleasing and stuff like that. And basically giving yourself up 
uh, in order to gain that love and trust from the other person. And like, I mean, that first trauma response when my ex broke up with me, I was literally on in the fetal position on the ground, like literally just, you know, and I've actually, about six months ago, I've had a similar trauma response that answers your questions of how I've moved through it now. I was able to hold myself through that. And within about half an hour of being with my inner child and knowing that I was like, and asking her like, what do you need? What do you need to move through this right now? You know, that allowed me to kind of let it move through. Like before that, I would have stuffed it down and kind of just, that's where depression comes from, right? Because we don't want to deal with it because we think it's so scary and we're not going to be able to deal with the end result. The, the burden is going to be so high. The pain is going to be so much that I'm going to be crushed underneath that pain. So I think that's kind of what's supposed to difference that I've learned to reparent myself and, and be with that inner child that you know that is going through that trauma response and not ignore her and knowing having gone through what they in in the celtic tradition called the the um the Samhain moment is like the deepest darkest moment of like the as the kayak right she disrupts you and it's like knowing that everything moves in cycles and everything is born out of the darkness that it's okay to go into the darkness and that that light or your yourself is going to be reborn in that so I think that I don't know if that answers your question but that kind of yeah Mm, that's beautiful thank you for sharing with me because I I didn't know the term fawning or Mm. what that looked like and I can resonate with it for sure so I have two questions within it it's so it's funny when we have one answer we tend to have more questions right what does it look like now when you're catching yourself in a trauma response? What you kind of dived into it a little bit, but what what's the self-talk that's going on? How do you one recognize it? And then what's the self-talk that gets you there? Mm, okay. So the catching of it is the tricky part initially, right? Because it's 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 so unconscious a lot of the times. And you know, even even only last week, I ended up reacting to something. And then only after the fact, I was like, oh, that was the trauma response. That was actually what was going on. So if I catch myself in the moment, I sometimes can't stop the reaction, but I can voice it and kind of, you know, I've, I've had a couple of situations where I was really triggered. I could feel my body respond. Like usually it's like, for me, a lot of the times, depending on the the trauma, but it feels like someone's like sitting on my chest or kind of like stabbing me in the chest. And, you know, it's like that, like that not being able to take a breath. Um, so for me, it's very visceral and I've learned it through somatics to kind of look out for bringing back to the body. Well, what's going on in my body? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's initially the first thing that I then do is like, OK, well, what do I feel in my body? And then I usually kind of end up kind of trying to pause and that in that pause there, we can often get the answers, which is really difficult if the, if the trauma response is so, so big, that kind of, you know, doesn't quite often like work, but over time you can, you know, uh, and like I said, I've, I've done a lot of somatic kind of uh, therapy where you learn to kind of look at your body and to bring it back and, and work with the nervous system. So I've done quite a bit of work with the nervous system because, you know, 
for years in my marriage, it was very dysregulated and I was in the constant fight or flight mode as well because I've been constant anxiety and I had PTSD and so I've done a lot of work around that. So, so I try to pause and check in. First of all, what's going on in my body? And then it was like, what can I make sense of what's that connected to? And that process sometimes takes a little bit of time to get your head around it's like okay well where is that actually coming from and sometimes it takes a couple of days or a couple of weeks and until the penny drops and it's like oh that's the response so I've, I've had like in the last about six weeks I've had a few situations where I felt my nervous system kind of like being triggered and my body responding I kind of chucked it down to oh that's just a little something but actually when I sat with it it actually turned out it was way deeper than I thought it was. But that took me about six weeks to kind of come to that aha moment and constant kind of checking in and was like, okay, like, and also changing my behavior around it, right? Um, to voice it. There's a lot of, you know, when you're codependent, there's a lot of trouble speaking your needs and and asking for what you need and stuff like that. So yeah, I think that kind of is, is the pause that really helps. And I was like, you know, even when I'm in conflict, for example, and I'm triggered and I my my usually response would have been to run and, and to kind of, you know, just run away and not go into conflict because, you know, it's either completely the opposite, appeasing. And I was like, oh, can we, like, can we make it good? Like, can we, you know, or is like, it was, it's so hard for, uh, that I run and I was like, oh no, I can't, I can't deal with that. And I've, I've lost friendships over that because of that response. Cause I was like, I just can't deal with it. And uh, now beautifully one or two of them that I had that reaction with, they have come back into my life and it, and, and it's more deep a connection than anything. So that's beautiful. Um, but allowing myself to now voice and kind of say, look, I need some time to process this. I need some time to kind of deal with that. I'm not running, but I need that time to, to regulate before I can come back into conversation with you. And that's a new way of being, not just for me, but in the world, you know? Uh, and there's only a few people in my life that I'm really capable of doing that. And they're completely receptive to doing that. Cause most of the time the other person reacts as well. And then we kind of, you know, that's how you get into situations where you just, the bomb explodes. Whereas if both people have enough awareness kind of say okay I'm really triggered right now I gotta take some time can we come back to that yeah you know mm, yeah wow you and I are very much similar in so many ways because I, I can recognize that within myself I used it's sort of funny so prior to what I call my spiritual awakening and, and my self-growth journey I would run to in conflict I would run go to bed um, pretend I was tired and then cry myself to sleep, right? Shut the door, secretly hoping to be rescued and for everything to be resolved. Like that was, that was my pattern. And, and, and I joke that I also, um, I was part possum. Um, it never happened with extreme emotion, but I am a fainter. And so I always say that that's my part of my fight or flight response. And I like to joke around that sometimes my, my soul just needs a break and goes into other realms for a split second to get a, get some peace and quiet. Um, so that's just a little joke, 
but ever since my awakening, yeah, that's a conversation I have. I'm, you know, the person I'm closest to is my husband. And I'll say things like, I need, I can't talk about this right now. I'm going for a walk. And, you know, I find it helpful to say things like this, what I'm on, what I'm experiencing right now actually has nothing to do with you. Um, so don't worry about responding or trying to fix anything because I've noticed he himself is codependent fix right away. Right. Um, we do. <laughs> yeah. So I go for a walk and I come back and, you know, sometimes I have the answer and sometimes I don't. So thank you for taking us through that process. I had this discussion with uh, my accountability partner yesterday. We were talking about our body's response. And maybe you can speak to this mm-hmm. since you've studied, what is it? Would you call it somaticism? Is that the study? It's somatic, but I haven't studied it yet, actually. I've just oh, okay. done a lot of work with my own therapist, who is a somatic therapist. As I've done a lot of work around that. Yeah, so it's somatic. Uh, there's there's somatic experiencing. It's um, Peter, I don't know if you pronounce it, Levine or Levine, um, who kind of brought that on, which looks at the body's response. And, you know, he compares it to the animal kingdom, right? As like if the, the deer is, for, or if an animal is kind of, under attack sometimes they pretend they're dead mm-hmm. which is the same response as freeze yes correct yep right so um so yeah i'm curious to know oh yeah so we were talking at my my accountability buddy and i we were talking about how we know whether or not we're being triggered because what's being reflected back to us is or is a truth of ours or something we believe to be true or if we are triggered um, because it's untrue. And for me, as something I'm having, um, difficulty discerning is why, when I'm getting angered, because I, I feel as I was sharing with her, I feel as though I get angered and triggered when truths are presented or when I receive untruths more than when I see receive truths. But I'm curious to know your take. Cause she was the opposite. She gets uh, angered when she experiences truths being reflected back to her. So I think I have a little bit of a little bit of a different take on that, maybe. Um, yeah. So anger, which I've had a lot of, believe me, I've, I've done a lot of, you know, unruly kind of uh, rage work <laughs> I've had to do, uh, which, you know, in this world, a lot of people don't like women having rage, you know, mm-hmm. whereas it's it's so healthy because what anger for me is, it's, it tells me that something isn't right, that mm-hmm. some boundary was crossed, that something wasn't, wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. And so I, I suppose if you look at it from the truth or untruth, it's, it's more, I'm more of the truth side of things. I think it's like something was triggered that's deep, deep and true within myself but that somehow was crossed or denied or not seen, for example. Mm-hmm. So I always kind of, and, you know, my teacher kind of taught me that. It was like, when you're angry, like ask, like, what, what's the wisdom in this anger? And I'll give you an example. So the day I left my husband, um, I had a week of, of total rage of absolute rage because you know boundaries were overstepped and like constant betrayal and constant lies and constant right and I was I was so angry and you know my friend friend and mentor asked me was like what's the wisdom in it like what what is it and 
there were two elements for me. One was I need to get out, but I couldn't acknowledge that to myself. And this no longer worked for me. Mm. So my truth was that you haven't taken the action to change your situation. And the other one was, I suppose, that I wasn't seen and heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as I acknowledged those and as soon as I had left, the rage was gone. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, you know, it yeah. comes in layers and stuff, but like mm-hmm. that big rage that I was feeling that day. And I, I do a lot of work in nature. So whenever I do feel those big emotions, I take myself into the forest and, you know, let the earth and the ground and the, the trees help me move that and usually that works really quickly but that day it really did not I've, I've I've done a week week's worth of like walking in the woods stomping in the woods screaming in the woods and it just would not shift mm-hmm. um but as soon as I, I figured out what it was and I've made that decision and like honoring myself so the truth in that was also that I needed to honor myself mm-hmm. despite of what's going to happen mm-hmm. So I think for me, it's more the truth part. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Thank you for that perspective because I can understand. I think, yeah, it's more than just truth and untruth. So thank you for taking me through that journey. It's deeper than that because I think I resonate mostly with the need to be seen. I'm getting confused with the untruth and truth and it's really the need to be seen. Yeah. And heard. I think that's a, a, that's a psychological basic human need that we need to be seen and heard and I notice it more and more that you know and and uh, the codependency is linked into that because you know we're never seen because we cease to exist yeah yeah right and and it's really scary to ask to be seen uh you know and to speak up when something is triggered it has triggered you or angered you or you know I've, I've just had to do that last week and it was really hard because you know it was like that little girl in me was like oh damn this is so bloody hard to do but I also knew that if I didn't speak my truth I'd be disowning myself and I'd be abandoning myself again so that's the part of the journey that we have to do right just like well how do I honor myself without trampling on everyone else around you obviously so it's still being kind and stuff like that but like how can I honor my truth and speak my truth um at the off chance to offend anybody but also being okay with that Mm, yeah our ego or our trauma makes it out to believe that we are in a lose-lose situation right you know if we we can either disown ourselves or likely we're being told by our trauma or likely get disowned, which is worse. And, um, and of course, then you'd be angry, you'd be enraged. I'm curious to know what did, uh, how do I want to say this? On the physical side of things, what did day-to-day feel like in that dysfunctional relationship? for you and what did on an an emotional side what did that feel like somatic side so let's talk about like what we're seeing and then maybe what you're feeling okay um so I suppose mm, I was 
really sick. As in, you know, they talk about the gut brain, you know, connection and, you know, massive amount of IBS, um, digestive issues, um, anxiety, you know, which I at the time didn't even know that was anxiety. And I actually, looking back, I actually have been struggling with anxiety since I'm a child. But it was really high because I was on constant guard, right? I was in constant um, because I didn't know what I was facing whenever I walked in the door. Mm. What, you know, I didn't know what to expect any time of the day, really. Um, So again only after the fact did I realize that I've actually suffered from PTSD as well so kind of you know really spiral into complete and utter um catastrophic kind of mode right and completely like panic attacks and things like that um so that I suppose is the physical and the emotional but really the emotional side of things, I suppose, is that or was that I I wasn't seen at all. I wasn't even me. I was I was literally, I think, merely existing in a shell of a body. Mm-hmm. I had given up on myself. Um, and that I suppose manifested also in dysfunctional eating, um, not eating at all, you know, starving myself. So there was a lot of, there was a lot of stuff. And obviously I'm, I'm still, you know, healing from a lot of it as well. But yeah, I, I had given up on myself. I had kind of resigned myself to, well, this is what my life's going to look like for the rest of my life. I'm going to be in a, you know, loveless, uh, sexless, um, you know, marriage, mm-hmm. which so often happens, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, massive lack of, of connection. Uh, but I had resigned myself to that fact and I had accepted it and was like, okay, well, I have a house and, you know, I'll, I'll do my own thing and I'll, you know, kind of try to do my business, but at the same time, not being able to, because I was in constant guard of what's going to happen next. So, yeah, I'd say pretty much dead inside. Mm. That's what it was. My heart's aching. (laughs) (laughs) But also being able to move through that right that's what I said earlier is like that's where I'm at at the moment you know part of me actually living in a van is actually because there was a lot there was a lot of trauma linked in with me being away from my husband we're not being in the same physical space there was a lot of trauma linked to that out of various uh, happenings so me doing this is actually reclaiming that part of myself because mm-hmm. I've always traveled. I've always kind of traveled and, and you know, there were a lot of trauma, traumatic events while I was traveling in the last, during my whole marriage. Um, so that's me kind of reclaiming that and healing that. And, you know, having done a year, better half, of, since really kind of the November, I think it's kind of November, 2019, I've, I've done big kind of work in the somatic work as well to kind of look at, well, where do I feel the trauma in my body and how can I move through that? And, you know, being able to now travel without having anxiety, well, anxiety, you wouldn't necessarily say, I'm still working through that, but uh, kind of PTSD attacks and stuff like that, that's no longer there. So that's where I'm now, you know, to reclaiming parts of myself. And there's, there's a lot of other stuff I still need to heal and, and reclaim, but it's a, 
it's a journey and I'm, you know, kind of nearly kind of two years in, into that journey. And it's been tough and exciting and, and exhilarating at the same time. Yeah. So there is a way out. So, you know, there, there is, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to lie. I mean, it wasn't hard for me to, to make that decision to leave. Here's the thing. I think we have a choice. Some people in relationships like that either never leave or they leave and they end up in similar situations afterwards. And that's where I think the choice is. I was like, okay, I have a choice to make here. I can either do the work and work on myself, work on the patterns that brought me into that relationship in the first place and transform them and then hope for a better relationship and better, not just a romantic relationship, but any relationship in in your life and, and things to get better. Or you don't, and you end up in similar situations all the time. And, you know, I'm not judging either of those people because that, you know, it takes a lot of time and courage to to leave in the first place. Because people always ask, well, why didn't you leave earlier? There comes a point in anybody's life where enough is enough. And that point comes at different times for different people. When did you, was there, was it a culmination of events or was there suddenly the aha moment you had mentioned when you're in the, on the bathroom floor, when did you make that decision? I think that moment, that seed was really kind of there. And I was like, what the hell are you doing? I just didn't want to listen to it. Mm. You know, I didn't want to listen to my intuition. It's <laughs> like, you know, I just don't. Again, I was I was on a travel. I was I was away for ten days in, in Japan, which should have been one of the biggest trips of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found myself puking on the street because of my nervous system was so shot. Wow! So I was literally walking in Kyoto, and I just started puking on the road. <laughs> so you know, and there was a level of rage that I hadn't felt uh, because of what was happening at home. That I, you know, I came back and I was very, you know, I kicked them out of the bedroom and, you know, I was like, it was very clear. I was like, I do not like, like we're either going to work this out or like, but I do not want to see you right now because I need space. And I think then subsequently that was broken and broken and broken again. And, you know, at five days later, I was like, it was enough. I've had enough then. Uh, and luckily kind of, I say luckily now, because at the time I, I didn't think it was lucky. Um he made me move out. <laughs> mm. You know, he was like, I'm not leaving this house. So but ultimately it was actually blessing this guys. Cause I think if I had stayed in the house, I may still be with him. You know, he kind of would have put on the charm and would have, yeah. you know, coerced me, not coerced me back into it. Cause obviously he can't do anything that I don't want to do, but I may not have had the strength to kind of mm. stick to my guns and, and say no. Whereas I ended up moving out at that night uh, or the next morning and, yeah, that was, that was the physical distance helped quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's no surprise. I mean, earlier you said the pause is what helps you in a yeah. trauma response. So of course, pausing and separating yourself, I, I'm the same way is, is what gives me clarity. I, I can't, you can't expect you, your brain to process when it's in a trauma, right? It's, it's just survival mode at that point. There's no analyzing that's able to go on. 
you had mentioned earlier that, and I, I love the way you said it's a choice and there's no judgment as far as who chooses to leave, who chooses to say, and even more so who chooses to leave and chooses to heal so that the pattern doesn't continue. I'm curious to know what patterns you noticed you had carried out and were living. And I mean, if you're willing to, if not willing, if you're comfortable providing examples of those, because I, I think that would be, again, resonant to a lot of our listeners. Hmm. Well, one pattern obviously that I've mentioned already is, um, or was, or still, you know, it's, it's work in progress, um, is self-abandonment. Um, in order to gain the love and acceptance of people. So kind of that working with that abandonment wound is, you know, it's a constant kind of thing. And I'm getting better at it, but, you know, so really that was, I think it was a really, really big part of it. That it's like, okay, you know, I can't speak my, my truth and my needs. People may leave, but they may also not. And being okay with that either. Um, with either of that, those things and, and really working on that to kind of, you know, speak out when I'm pissed at someone or something or someone did, you know, something I was like that I didn't agree with or, you know, um, it, it came a lot in my work actually as well that, you know, I I'd, I'd kind of over deliver and, and, and like over give and, and all that kind of stuff Um because I was afraid that if I didn't, you know, if I didn't do that, I'd, you know, they, they'd be disappointed with me or they'd, you know, fire me or whatever it is, right? So I'd, I'd constantly overgive and overdeliver and overextend myself at my own expense of my sanity, of my health, uh, of my mental health, of my physical health. So that, I think those are kind of, again, it's all linked with kind of codependency, you know? And I think those are kind of the biggest patterns that I've been working with to, to look at, well, okay, what do I actually need? And, and making myself a priority, um, working with the guilt that comes with that as a codependent, because, mm-hmm. you know, there, there comes massive guilt with it. Like, but like the other person's way more important. It's like, well, actually, no, there isn't you know they they aren't like I'm you know I'm just as important but starting and working with kind of that feeling of worth and you know which is so deeply rooted in our childhood often that you know we feel worthless and and stuff like that and we we do everything to you know some people numb it out and some people kind of please and all these kind of things so I think those are the things that I've worked with the most um those patterns of making myself a priority, not abandoning myself, starting with simple things as like eating three meals a day. Mm. Yes. Right. Like, I'm laughing yeah. as a new mother. <laughs> yes. Like that's been a huge journey for me to kind of actually, it was like, no, 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 you can't actually, again, that's a behavior that we kind of, you know, learn to kind of punish ourselves. If something happened, we're like, oh no, like I'm just, I'm just not going to eat now. <laughs> mm. Right. Cause like you don't deserve to eat. Mm. right and I, I catch myself when I'm kind of triggered I'm like you know I sometimes want to go back into that and I was like I have to kind of like okay no like it's okay to eat like you deserve to be nourished <laughs> you know I love that sentence you deserve to be nourished yeah holy moly 
Goodness, we're going deep. <laughs> what does self-abandonment feel like in your body when you're catching yourself about to go back? I don't want to say backwards or go back, but choose. I know self-abandonment is my default setting, especially especially during of during periods of vulnerability. What does that feel like in your body? It feels like shutting down. It really feels like complete shutdown. I don't know if you know that sculpture. I think it was a burning man where there's um, steel kind of figures, two adults having uh, their backs face uh, backs together and they're uh, inside of them, the inner child's uh, children are trying oh, to kind yes. of connect. Yes. So it kind of feels like that where it's like my inner child kind of completely kind of contracts and kind of goes back and like closes the door in front of her and like literally just like, just wants to hide and like just mm. cease to exist mm. yeah so yeah. empty uh and yeah just numb mm. yeah I am trying to feel into that for me too I don't want I feel my body be like no why are you doing this to yourself right now? <laughs> um yeah it's this need to to hide escape and not exist I would see that say that's what what it yeah, feels like. You, and usually the places that I feel it in my body is either mm-hmm. my belly or my throat. Mm-hmm. Um, say mine's definitely my throat. Yeah. Oftentimes mm-hmm. it's the throat because it's, you know, what are we not saying? What are we mm-hmm. afraid to say? What are you know? So yeah, belly and, and throat are usually where I feel it in my body. Mm. What would you say? to those men and women out there who are listening, who are even catching slight glimpses of themselves in your story, if you could share with them anything that you'd want them to know, or even if you were able to wave a magic wand and have them understand, what would be that piece of wisdom? Oh, wow. Um, I think... If I have the magic wand, I'd, you know, kind of make them see that they're worth it, that they are absolutely lovable and they deserve to feel safe in themselves um, and in relationships. And I think what I'd I'd love to give them on, on the journey to some degree is don't be afraid to kind of go there because it's biggest darkness that you may feel or the pain that you 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 kind of think is gonna face if you were to leave or if you were to say something or whatever the scenario is right because you don't always have to leave Mm -hmm. the situation of relationship but um it's not going to crush you Mm. Uh, and I suppose the advice that I would give is find some place that you feel safe enough to learn tools to deal with that so that you know, if you come to the situation that you're strong enough, because I, I did quite a bit of work beforehand before that happened. And I had, had I not done that, I probably wouldn't have been able to take that step. So even when you're in the situation, you can start making yourself a priority and start working on yourself. And you'd be surprised sometimes the other person, as you're making the changes within yourself, changes also. That can also happen. You know, so to to allow yourself to make yourself a priority and find a safe space to explore those 
childhood traumas. I think for me, that's the key in any situation. So doing inner child work has been the biggest change that I've, I've done that impacted my life because we all conditioned from an early age. And like that memory for me, I was four years old when I've lost my worth. Mm. You know, and that was like, you know, 36 years of not feeling worthy. Um, and only through doing the inner work and inner child work have I been able to get down to that level and go down that deep to find that place which transformed my whole life now. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking us down that road. Mm-hmm. Huge sharing your journey, which was years and years and just a short amount of time. You talked about way earlier in our conversation, different modalities that you've explored and, you know, it started with yoga and developing tools and inner child work, but you had mentioned some things that we have not talked about and actually some things that I am not familiar with and don't know honestly anything about and I'd love to learn more if you care to share mm-hmm. what is it's nomi nomi lomi lomi so lomi 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 and I know you've shared that with me before and tell me more about the ancient wisdom within the Celtic wheel all of that stuff I want to know all of it oh wow okay we need another hour of that um so lomi lomi <laughs> is the is the Hawaiian um healing art Right. So Lomi Lomi is, is body work, is massage, but it, it you know, it, it goes way deeper and it's, it's very linked to he, by through healing the body, you heal like everything is linked. And the last I kind of say, say the last resort of the spiritual world, of the emotional, of the mindset is, is all linked into the body. Uh, and it's our is the last resort to tell us that there's something going on. So if you have an accident, for example, and you know that's a that you know, and you hurt your knee or something or your shoulder or whatever it is, there's a message in there, in terms of like there's something going on in your life, and that's not quite aligned. And it could even be ancestral, right? So it could even be not yours. And and so through the Lomi work. Um, through the body work and and using ho'oponopono in that, which is kind of like forgiveness and, and practices and stuff like that to make things right, you heal all sorts of things. You can heal ancestral lineages. Like, so that's kind of, you know, through the body work. And because we look at the wisdom of the bones, it's like, what's that telling me? So I used to have a lot of issues in between my shoulder blades and my spine and my vertebrae would kind of kick out. And that was before I was starting on my spiritual journey properly and kind of working through and living my true path. Um, and that's linked to that, that area, <laughs> you know, it's like how are you spreading your wings in the world. Um, so, so that's the body work, right? Obviously through COVID that's been a bit tricky to kind of do. So I haven't done a lot, not a lot of that lately, but um, yeah, so that's, that's, and you know, for people who want to explore that there's amazing teachers out there in Hawaii, but also in Europe um, to do that or in the States. And, um, and then the Celtic is very mystic, mm-hmm. but my teacher has created something to 
make it alive and, and translate it into the modern world. Mm. So she calls it the radical wisdom for a contemporary woman. Um, you know, and, and the Celtic calendar is, it starts in October and it, it has eight seasons and it goes through the whole year. And each season has kind of meaning and, and wisdom attached to it. So like, like I said earlier, so Samhain would be um, All Hallows Eve or Halloween, right? And, and everything starts in the darkness. So their year starts in the oct- end of October. So it doesn't start on the 1st of January. So their calendar starts in there and it's the descent into darkness. And then as you move through the calendar, you then kind of move through um the different seasons that represent different things. And, and my teacher kind of brings you through the journey of, well, you start going into the first half of the year is the, you know, dark half of the year where we go in, in our internal. It's the feminine half of the year where we kind of, you know, the, and it, it's reflected in nature, right? Like mm-hmm. the farmers would put they, their tools down and like, you know, things would die and like what needs to die in order for me to move forward is one of the questions that we work with in, in Sawa. Mm. And then you go into dream time. as like, well, what does my soul actually want? Mm. So you go through this journey and kind of start listening and you start learning like more feminine practices, which is radical in this world to kind of not act on something and kind of say, okay, I'm going to percolate that. I'm going to wait and, and see for the masculine automatically to come out. And then the, the lighter half of the year then is kind of, you move into the masculine when you're like, okay, spring is coming. And like, you know, I'm, I'm starting to go more outwards and kind of like bring things into the world and get, be more of service and, and bring ideas to life. So there's a lot of ritual involved. So, you know, each festival we do ritual and, you know, honor honor the land and the uh, ancestors and, and all that kind of stuff and be be really it's it's, it's you know pagan in, in itself but you know my teacher brings in like neuroscience and all that kind of stuff as well to kind of bring it forward and bring it into but not forgetting the ancient practices that are there and that we can learn from and that I think very much we need to go back to uh, because we've very much lost that capacity to be still and listen and and to listen to the wisdom that's always been there and you know in Ireland there's a lot of sacred sites um that are aligned with different festivals there's Neolithic sites here where the light comes through only on winter solstice and illuminates for example Newgrange is is one of them is like is as older than the pyramids and it's a Neolithic site where on winter solstice the light comes through a little kind of slot and illuminates the whole inside of that tomb. Wow. You know, other kind of sacred sites all around Ireland would have celebrated different different festivals and the, the sun's aligned with that. I So I have to tell you, over the past, oh gosh, I don't know. I don't know if I can quantify the amount of time, but it's been a while since I've felt spiritually connected you know i mean you're always connected right but there's that that feeling of being in what i like to call the god realm or the realm of possibility mm-hmm. and you just brought me right back to it by explaining all of it where can where can i learn more where what resources would you suggest i dive into so i would head to my two teachers uh websites for that so the celticwheel.com which actually it starts 
again in October because it always starts in October. So uh, I think she's actually, you know, I think she's opening up back up in a couple of weeks time. So it's a really good time for that. Um, so the CelticWheel.com uh, would be one. Uh, Dolores Whelan um, would be her teacher as well. And she's my teacher as well now. Um, so she would have a lot of wisdom around that. Mm. Um, she also has a book called Ever Ancient, Ever New. So that would be a really good resource. And I kind of work with kind of trees as well. There is a beautiful book. Um, the name doesn't come to me. It's called To Speak for the Trees, I think. Her name's Diane something. It's a, it's a great kind of story, kind of bringing the ancient kind of teachings alive. Mm. Kind of, I personally don't put any resources like that out uh, at the moment or yet. Um, because I'm still a student, even though I'm helping out and stuff. But I'm, I'm still a student and I'm still kind of learning and, and embodying it. So I spent more time embodying it than teaching it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Thank you for sharing those. I'm excited to mm -hmm. dive in a little deeper. Speaking of being a student, you are also a healer yourself. You have mm -hmm. your own business. What is it like to be a client of yours? What sorts of healing work and journey work do you do with your clients? That's ever evolving. So I've, I've, I'm actually, uh, so I've been doing a lot of, so my actual background is marketing uh, and business. So I have an MBA in business. <laughs> um, and I've been, what's been happening is that I, I, people have been coming to me and I'm helping them in their business and their holistic business. So a lot of healers come to me, but it turns out that we do a lot more inner work than in anything else. So there's a lot of kind of, you know, like limiting beliefs and working on all of that and stuff. And I suppose what my, like, depending on, you know, I, um, I'm just off a call actually with a client and, you know, he was, I don't let them get away with things, I suppose, <laughs> I probe. And, you know, whereas like some, like, like to kind of squirm themselves out of, you know, looking at things, I kind of like hold up the mirror and kind of say, look, like, what do you see? So I, that's kind of suppose what I've been kind of doing in, in that sense. Um, and it's it's still evolving. And I'm at the moment, I'm I'm kind of on a journey of like, well, where do I go next? I don't know. Um, but that's kind of what I do uh, in terms of helping people really find their voice, I think, and claim themselves to start their business, especially in the healing world. That's kind of what I've been I've been kind of doing. And I've been dabbled a little bit in kind of doing work with highly sensitive people, but that's not really at the moment doesn't seem the right thing for me to do so if you look at my website that's what you'll see which but it's not what I do <laughs> so yeah so I, I yeah generally at the moment it's it's a little bit up in the air just as as I am and I'm allowing myself to do that as I've learned in the Celtic it's like okay we need to stop to allow whatever needs to come through come through I'm also a projector which also means that I also always have to wait for the invitation and there's just no invitation there at the moment which is fine. Mm. Thank you for that level of permission. I've, I'm going through a similar season where I've had to take a step back and, you know, certainly I'm not against having somebody come to me if it's the right fit, but I'm not actively selling because I don't know what I'm selling. Exactly. Right? I should say, I don't know what I'm being called to offer mm -hmm. at this point. And I'm, I'm, I'm allowing it to figure itself out rather than pushing it to happen. And that's dream time, right? You're mm -hmm. in like, what needs to die for the next version of myself to kind of come out and to go into dream time. I was like, well, what are all the possibilities out there? And then looking at how can I narrow them down and then start to focus on, you know, three things. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. 
you're speaking my language because yeah, <laughs> dream time to, I've been waking up with the best, most clarity and, uh, and remembering them. Cause it's been a while since I've had as East, then I've been able to remember my, my walkabouts in dream time. And it's funny too. I meant to say this earlier, my spiritual awakening happened in September, October. And each fall, it feels as though I'm being called back to myself again. And it's, it's, it's I love it. And I also kind of look at it as the, as you have the wheel, but then it goes into the next cycle, which brings you into a spiral, which also, if you, if you can see, I actually have a tattoo of a spiral in my, on my wrist. Um, so it's kind of, you know, the reminder of like, it's always a spiral and you always have a call to go deeper and deeper and deeper. Mm-hmm. This has been such an amazing conversation. My whole body is alive. I thank you for, for being here, for being you and for doing what you do. Thank you for having me. It was such a pleasure to kind of share. And, you know, I hope people get even a nugget out of, out of my story and of my, yeah. I'm sure they will. If they want more of you, where can they find you? Well, the only place really that I sometimes share a little bit of something these days, (laughs) because I am very much kind of step out like I've left Facebook and all that kind of stuff um I mean my my website is tinaschnell.com but um like I said it doesn't necessarily you can hear listen read a little bit of my story um uh, but the offering is not actually accurate but if you feel drawn to obviously do get in touch um and I suppose Instagram is the other place where I kind of share reflections and my journey um in the van and all that kind of stuff as well um that's uh Celtic Witch Warrior mm. So that's kind of uh, where you can find me. I love it. Awesome. Uh, Again, I can't thank you enough. It's been such a pleasure sitting down with you, being enlightened by you and hearing your journey and watching, watching you, getting to know you, all of that stuff. It's (laughs) been amazing. I can't thank you enough. Thank you. Golden.